0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, José Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. (music) 11042018. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. Today, we'll be talking about one of the best rock bands of all time, Her Royal Majesty Queen, and the newest movie devoted to their lead singer and legend Freddie Mercury. And I'll also be recommending my top five Queen songs. But before we get into any of that, let's get into Did you see the news? Did you see the news that tonight's focus, Bohemian Rhapsody, rocked the box office with a $50 million debut? For the first time since February, the top three films at the box office were all new releases, and the top was Fox's Bohemian Rhapsody with a $50 million chart-topping performance, going above and beyond expectations. Disney's The Nutcracker and The Four Realms finished at the lower of estimates in second place, and following was Paramount's release of Nobody's Fool. Did you see the news that Letitia Wright, who played Shuri in the incredibly successful Black Panther, has landed her next role as she joins the U.S. remake of the 2017 French comedy-slash-drama Le Brio, which is being produced by John Legend's Get Lifted banner. French producer Dimitri Rassam has teamed up with the Get Lifted film company on the project, which will see Wright as the female lead. The original Le Brio was directed by Yval Atal and told the story of a young French Arab woman who enrolls in a university with the hopes of becoming a lawyer, only to face racist humiliation from her controversial professor, who then becomes her mentor. Did you see the news that Fede Alvarez has confirmed that the script for Don't Breathe 2 was finished? Not long ago, Alvarez was asking his fans on Twitter which sequel they would prefer to see first, Don't Breathe 2 or Evil Dead 2. The filmmaker said he was merely just gauging fan, uh, fan reaction to both titles and was not currently in the early planning stages for either film. Evil Dead 2 won by a landslide, which is no surprise uh, since it's been a cult favorite since the original Sam Raimi film, which premiered in 1981. Alvarez said nothing about whether or not either film was happening, but did reveal that there is at least a finished script for Don't Breathe 2, which puts it ahead of the Evil Dead sequel. Alvarez recently directed The Girl in the Spider's Web, which premieres November 9th. And finally, did you see the news that Aquaman director James Wan has confirmed that the film is officially done? Wan has spent the last two years in pre-production, actually shooting the movie, and most recently, it's gone to post-production, and Wan and his crew have finished all the necessary work and it's ready to hit theaters next month. I'm actually excited uh, to see how this film does as DC is hoping that this is a start to the sort of healing period for their worlds of DC cinematic universe um, after Justice League was met with poor reviews and mixed fan reactions. Um, And actually I've I've been a fan of Jason Momoa's take on the character and I hope they surprise me with this one. I I, I genuinely have hopes that it'll be a good movie um, just because I feel like this is an opportunity for DC to realize that they can have fun with these characters that they have and they don't have to take it so serious and take on such a gritty tone like they tried to do with Batman v Superman and like they tried to do with Justice League until, you know, the reshoots and whatnot. So I'm hoping that this, along with Shazam, proves to them that, hey, you know what, you can have fun with this universe because you have these interesting stories to tell and these very interesting characters and you can do it right if you give freedom to the directors and you take a step back and you let them do their craft so I hope this is this is one that that does well I hope they surprise me with this one but that's all the news we have when we come back we'll be talking about the incredible Bohemian Rhapsody in 1968 guitarist Brian May a student at London's Imperial College and bassist Tim Staffel decided to form a band May put an ad on the college notice board announcing that they were in search of a drummer. Roger Taylor, a young dental student, auditioned and got the job. The group called themselves Smile. While attending Ealing Art College, Tim Staffel became friends with Farouk Bulsara, a fellow student who had assumed the English name of Freddie. Bulsara felt that he and the band had similar tastes and soon became a, a keen fan of Smile. And in 1970, after Staffel left the band to join Humpty Bong, Bulsara took his spot as lead singer and encouraged the band to change their name to Queen. The band had a number of bass players, but none would last as they didn't play to the vision of the band until John Deacon came along. The band consisting of Brian May, Roger Taylor, John Deacon, and Freddie Bulsara performed their first gig as Queen on the 18th of July of 1970. The following year, Bulsara changed his name to Freddie Mercury. And in 1973, the band signed their first recording contract for EMI. That year, they released their first album, titled Queen, and in the following year released Queen 2. And in 1975, they released A Night at the Opera, and significantly the single, Bohemian Rhapsody, which at 5 minutes and 55 seconds was considered too long for successful radio play, but it became one of the greatest singles of all time. Staying at number one in the UK chart for nine weeks nine weeks that's two months and a week a song at the top of the charts for two months that is insane and that would be incredible if any song did that in today's world but i mean from there the rest was musical history queen enjoyed great success as a band for many years after until freddie mercury after announcing that he'd been diagnosed with aids the day before died on the 23rd of november in 1991 leaving behind a legacy that would be remembered and brilliantly portrayed by the incredibly talented Rami Malek on the big screen in the film titled Bohemian Rhapsody. The film Bohemian Rhapsody, which was directed by Brian Singer, well, it was really directed by Dexter Fletcher as Singer was fired halfway through and, according to sources from behind the scenes, hardly showed up to shooting to begin with and was absent many times and was very difficult to work with and actually threw things at his his talent, including Rami Malek. So really, I'm going to say here that it was directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, But it's a foot-stomping celebration of Queen and their extraordinary lead singer, Freddie Mercury, who defied stereotypes and shattered convention to become one of the most beloved entertainers on the planet. The film traces the meteoric rise of the band, they their iconic songs and revolutionary sound. They reach unparalleled success, but in an unexpected turn, Freddie, surrounded by darker influences, shuns Queen in pursuit of a solo career. Having suffered greatly without the collaboration of Queen, Freddie manages to reunite with his bandmates just in time for Live Aid, while bravely facing a recent AIDS diagnosis. Freddie leads the band in one of the greatest performances in the history of rock music, Queen cements a legacy that continues to inspire outsiders, dreamers, and music lovers to this day. The film stars Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, Gimli Lee Lee as Brian May, Ben Hardy as Roger Taylor, and Joseph Mazzello as John Deacon. This movie is phenomenal. (laughs) I left the movie theater just speechless. Before I explain why, I want to clarify some things. This movie is not 100% accurate to the story of Queen, as that story would be too long to fit into two hours. And also, this is not a documentary. It's a biographical, cinematic picture. Certain elements of the band's story were changed, and certain events were pushed backwards or forwards in time to keep with the pacing of the story. Before you Queen fans freak out, this was done with the consent and with the suggestion of Queen members Brian May and Roger Taylor, who actually had executive producer roles in the film. Now with that out of the way, let's dive into what made this movie so great for me, starting with the cinematography and the pacing of the story. The story is told through the important event in the band's history, and not year by year, therefore ensuring that the film keeps its audience. And every important event or buildup of the story is usually paid off with a song. The highs and lows of the plot are based on the iconic music that was released by the band at the time. And then there's the cinematography. Biopics don't usually grab an audience's attention with their creative angles. They go in and get what they need, but this film actually managed to break that sort of stigma and have a little fun with the imagery and shots in this film. There are three examples in specific that I truly loved. The first is a shot that takes place when Mercury goes in to find out that he's been diagnosed with AIDS. And it's a very dramatic scene, and the filmmakers chose to present this dramatic setting by not showing us Mercury's reaction with a shot of his face, but rather an extreme close-up on his sunglasses, which are used by Mercury as a shield in the film, to hide his feelings. But somehow the filmmakers managed to show those feelings through a reflective surface showing us everything happening in the scene through the lenses and then the second one is a shot of guitarist brian may which sort of swoops in and pans up to show us the guitarist doing his work from below with us looking up at him and by framing their subject in a low shot we are literally looking up to may and the filmmakers have sort of placed him on this pedestal and elevated him adding gravita and iconography to the shot and the last one is taking place during the live aid concert towards the end of the film As Mercury sits down to play his iconic song, Bohemian Rhapsody, the camera goes low, giving us a shot of Mercury's legs and the underside of the piano before the camera moves forward through his legs and leads to the previously mentioned shot of May behind the guitar. It is a simple shot, but it's done so smoothly that I just love it. I mean, then again, I'm a big fan of Dolly shots and other Steadicam-like shots, so that might just be why I like it, but it's beautiful. Let's talk about another part that made this film great. The acting. British choreographer and movement coach Polly Bennett worked painstakingly with Rami Malek to perfect every nuance of Freddie's mannerisms. Every eye glance, every body turn, every cocky strut on stage, and every flick of the microphone had to be done just right. And, oh my lord, does their work show. Malek's performance as Mercury is... Simply astounding, just incredible, absolutely incredible. Watch this film and go back and watch Mercury's performances and tell me that Molik doesn't absolutely nail them, especially the live eight performance. Look, this movie's great. I don't think it'll win best movie of the Oscars, and that's just I just don't think it will, but I absolutely think. That Malick's performance as Mercury is 100% worthy of being nominated for Best Actor because to play the part of Freddie Mercury, one of the most iconic and incredible performers of all time, is not an easy task. Mercury was the definition of a showman. He commanded a stage unlike any other musician. He had the audience in the palm of his hand. He exuded confidence and flamboyant charisma while on stage. And Malik? Malik managed to bring that same magic that made Mercury the legendary performer that he was onto the big screen. Malik commanded the audience just like Mercury. By the way, if you want to see an example of how Mercury commanded an audience, look up a clip clip of him singing Ayo at the Live Aid concert I think I'll include the audio here for you to listen. Take a listen. One more bit about malik as mercury for this role was that he was actually fitted with special prosthetic teeth to best resemble freddy's prominent overbite and after the film wrapped rammy got to keep the teeth as a special memento from his experience on set which i think is awesome uh, the rest of the band members all do an amazing job playing their respective roles the only one that i want to single out um, besides malik is joseph Mazzello, who played bassist john deacon because <laughs> he looks eerily similar to the real life John Deacon and that was crazy to see. He had his little weird facial expressions down to a T and that was that was very good. I really liked it. Just all around great performances from everyone involved and an an amazing, uh, amazing cast, an amazing, amazing movie. Freddie Mercury had a dark and troubled life. He was teased growing up because of his prominent overbite called Bucky by Bullies racistly referred to as a paki despite the fact that he wasn't even pakistani he was zanzibarian and for a long time he struggled with his sexuality never sure of his true sexual identity something that the film didn't skip over and instead dove head into showing us mercury struggled to find acceptance not just from those around him such as friends and family but from himself mercury was engaged to mary austin who he met through guitarist brian may and considered her the only true love of his life, which made his coming out to her even that much harder in 1976, because he still loved her despite his sexual orientation. And the scene where this takes place in the movie is genuinely moving, as Mercury felt wrong for what had happened, and Mary reassures him that she'd known for some time, and tells him it's not his fault. But I mean, regardless, they still split up. In my opinion, the film did a fantastic job of showing this inner struggle that Mercury faced, Because, like I mentioned, although he was accepted by his bandmates and friends, he still struggled with truly being comfortable with who he was, not just as a homosexual man, but as a human being. And if you listen to his lyrics, you can see this pain and torture that this man faced. Mercury was, at his darkest, a prime example of someone who was lonely despite being surrounded by people who cared for him. And the film captures exactly this sentiment and makes the viewer feel the pain and sadness that Mercury felt in his loneliest times all thanks to malik's performance this film is a brilliant tribute to the legend that was freddie mercury but it's also an emotional look into the life of the man who brought all his fans a touch of the heavens i'll admit i teared up during this movie especially during the scene in which mercury tells his bandmates that he has aids because they captured mercury's spirit in that scene he isn't sad doesn't allow his bandmates to be sad instead he tells them that he wants to spend the time that he has left creating music and continued doing what he always wanted to, to bring a touch of the heavens down to the earth. (sighs) They did a great job with this movie. I mean, the set design and costumes were brilliant and incredibly accurate and detailed. That was the one thing that this film had going for it. I mean, it had a lot of things going for it, but this is one of the things that it definitely had going for it. it was its attention to great detail. I mean, The live ed performance was insane. They got everything right, even down to how the cups of Pepsi and beer were sitting on the piano. My review of this film? One word. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Queen had a long and successful career, so this list won't do them justice. If you want to hear the best of Queen, go listen to all their music. This list might not line up with your personal favorites, but these are the ones I recommend. Starting with number one, Bohemian Rhapsody, because, you know, duh. This is Queen at their absolute best. I mean, they did what other bands hadn't done. They redefined the rock genre with this song. Bohemian Rhapsody, an epic poem with classic rock sound and experimental operatics. Just a big ball of strange and delightful. Truly one of their best. All right, next we have Somebody to Love. Hauntingly beautiful, that's what I'll say. Guaranteed to get you in the feels. Great vocals, great guitar, great sound, great song. Third on the list is one that found itself on almost all of my junior high playlist. Fat Bottom Girls. Great rock with raunchy lyrics equals guaranteed good time. A true rock anthem. I love it. Fourth is a very interesting one. Brighton Rock. The song is very yellow submarine in the sense that it has background sounds that are actually taken from the Brighton Rock uh, boardwalk that are used to add to the song. And And also in the sense that it's a ball of strange, much like Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's also a ball of awesomeness. With a great chorus. I mean, a great chorus. I love this song so much, but it could be because it was used in one of my favorite movies, Baby Driver, directed by The Incredible Edgar Wright. You know, just a little slip in there. He's not paying me to do it. I just praise the man all the time. And finally on our list, Radio Gaga, which many of you might just write off as a weird one, but when you actually sit down and listen to the lyrics, they're incredibly moving. It's a love letter to radio from the band a commentary on how television was overtaking radio's popularity. It's even more moving in today's world, which has seen the popularity of radio decrease with Generation Z. All right, here are some honorable mentions that didn't make it on my list, but are close. Love of My Life, which is a beautiful ballad. We Are the Champions, which is a haunting anthem. Lily of the Valley, powerful. Don't Stop Me Now, 200 degrees, the speed of light, a good time, a ball, truly. Freddie Mercury perfectly embodied the idea of rock and moreover so did queen because they were a group of misfits coming together to rebel against conformity of society and music creating their own ideas and beats and definitions of rock mercury was a troubled man who found comfort only when he was performing rock music for other troubled and lost souls i think that's why i love rock so much is because it helped me when i was lost and lonely When I felt like an outcast and when I felt misguided. Because rock is about independence and rebellion. About standing up and making your voice be heard, even if you have to scream it. Rock is about freedom. It's about freedom to love, freedom to express, and freedom to sing. Sing at the top of your lungs. Although legends and icons like Freddie Mercury may pass and leave the physical plane of mortality behind, their spirits and the ideas they embodied never will so long as there is freedom and hope and dreamers in this world then rock it'll never die and with that ladies and gentlemen we have reached the end of our show tune in next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode i've been your captain jose valle and this has been captain's log and we've reached the end of our transmission until next time goodbye